to the Art of Relationships podcast. I'm Chris Grace. And I'm Tim Yohoff. Tim Yohoff is one of the leading communications experts out there in the area. Tim, you've been teaching and speaking in this area all over the country. You've got some great published materials in the area of communication. My area is, is in psychology. Uh, my yeah. PhD is in social psych. And one of the awesome opportunities that you and I get is to sit here and talk about pertinent, relevant issues related to everything about relationships. Because people want to talk about relationships because it affects every part of their lives. You can't get away from it. So we have so much to talk about um, uh, throughout the weeks that sometimes it's hard just to limit it to one topic. And so we're going to approach a number of topics. But let me just challenge anybody that's listening today. Go to our website, cmr.biola.edu, and check out all the events, uh, topics, some blogs, and other podcasts that we've done. And it's a great opportunity, I think, to explore some of these things that we get to talk about on a regular basis. But Tim, uh, today, one I thought maybe we could talk about is uh, in the area of persuasion uh, and in the area of talking with somebody else, um, there is something that you've been able to do recently, and that is do some writing on this uh, uh, with a colleague. And uh, I'd like to talk today a little bit about its impact and how we can tie that into the art of relationships. And so why don't you start? That sounds great. Well, one of the fun things about our job that we enjoy the most is you get to do it with your friends. So this podcast is a blast for us to do it. Uh, I I mean, I... it gets tiring carrying you as much as I do. But no, but that's, it's fun. I got a chance to write a book with a good friend of ours, Dr. Rick Langer, and he teaches at Biola. He's in charge of our Office of uh, Faith and Learning here at Biola. And we wrote a book called Winsome Persuasion, Christian Influence in a Post-Christian World. But the topic is one that we think is important because of today's incivility that we're seeing today of how harshly people talk to each other, that we've got to find different ways of talking to each other. A study was done two years ago where 69% of Americans feel like we've reached crisis levels of incivility with each other. So in any relationship, a marriage, roommate relationship, certainly a family relationship, there's going to come a time where people just flat out disagree with each other. And there's going to come a time that you want to persuade a person that, in fact, I I think I'm right. I I think we ought to do this. I think this is the direction that we ought to go. And we want to do that in a way that's winsome and engaging and civil. And yet emotions are involved. Passions are involved. So we thought it'd be fun to kick around this podcast. How do you actually set out to influence a person, uh, be it a spouse, family member, or roommate, in a way that is engaging and civil and kind and different things like that, especially in today's harsh world of social media and political discourse and stuff like that? Sound fun? Want to grab that? I think it's great. I, I think it's a great topic because we have to eventually answer the question, how do we have conversations uh, in in all of our relationships in which there might be some disagreements or there might be ways in which we want to maintain That's right. not just polite discourse, but we want to connect with others deeply. And yet we also have opportunities to really find some dif- differences yeah. that could you know, pull up some harsh, difficult emotions that we're dealing with. Yeah. And um, how do we do that well? So. And we're losing uh, examples of this. That's, that's what's so crazy today about our commentary that we're looking, you know, in the political realm and how people approach disagreements today, it's kind of hard to find good examples of how people can do this. And depending on the family that you grew up in, you might not have any good examples of how do you have a good, productive, passionate disagreement 
And it's not the end of the world. It doesn't mean your marriage is bad. It doesn't mean the family's bad. But you're about to have a pretty passionate disagreement about what we should do about finances, kids' schedules, um, you know, different stuff like that. So let's set a little bit of background, okay? I'm going to drop a little Aristotle on you, Chris Grace. All right. Come on, baby. <laughs> so Aristotle said that that the most important thing about you is your reputation heading into a conversation. What that person thinks about you as you head into it. Now, this is huge if it's your roommate. It's huge if it's your spouse, because yeah. guess what? Yeah. You have a reputation, right? Right. That person knows you. It, isn't it great when you're dating, Chris? <laughs> when you're dating, it's awesome. The other person thinks you're great. You think the other person's great. Mm. And it's like, you're just a wonderful, marvelous person. But when you actually live with a person, they see your good, your bad, your inconsistency. So Aristotle said, heading into this disagreement, what this person thinks about you uh, is really going to determine how much you can persuade that that kind of a person. So, um, uh, what's your? He called it ethos. It's just your credibility heading into the conversation. Like for example, Chris, you and I. If, if you and I are having a disagreement about home projects, mm. what's the best way to use power tools? Knowing what you know of me, what's my level of credibility heading into a conversation about power tools and how to do a home project well well to be kind <laughs> i would probably call your wife noreen and ask her yes how to yes. maybe do a project and i just it's just not it's it's not saying anything rude to you it's i just simply know you don't have a high amount of expertise in this area let's say the bandages the broken th have all proven not to be the case so it's so funny chris is honestly um i had a friend come over and help me put up a basketball hoop one time in our garage because her kids played uh they love to play basketball and uh he came over and he said uh, hey get your tools out so all i had was a pink do-it-herself toolkit that Noreen had, and every tool had a pink handle, right? So, you and I could have a passionate disagreement about power tools and how to do a project, but the whole time you're thinking, but Tim, I, you, I know you don't know much about power tools, so regardless how articulate I am, eloquent, the whole time you're thinking, okay, if this was a different issue... I might listen to you, but because this is power tools, man, I, I, Tim, I know a little bit about you. So here's what Aristotle said of the three areas of credibility that you need to really think about before you head into a situation. Number one, he called intelligence, which means, do you know what you're talking about? Have you researched and understood both sides of the issue, not just your side of the issue? Could you, if asked, sit down and actually present your spouse's perspective on this particular issue? Could you present uh, one of your kids what they think about this issue or a roommate? So you know your perspective, you're locked and loaded, passionate, but can you do the perspective of the other person to such a degree that that person would say, okay, that's a fair representation of what I feel. A lot of people can do their side, but they can't do the other person's side. Mm -hmm. I, and I think, uh, Tim, it's helpful to start thinking that way whenever you challenge uh, people who are dealing with conflict, whether it's a parent with 
a child, whether it's uh, roommates, whether it's spouses, friends. One of the things that's hard to do is they seem to grasp, at least at an intellectual level, some of the arguments or differences that they might be having, mm. or they might even be able to represent the other person's side or point of view, but there seems to be something off or a lack there. They don't They don't seem, in my just simply in my experience, much of a depth of emotion oh, that's, that's connected yep. to... Yeah. So I could say, well, you seem to say this, this, and this. I get that. But it's devoid of the emotional depth that the other person is feeling it. Yeah. And that seems to be where some of the breakup or problem comes in when you have conflict is really you're not – you, you, you might understand at one level, it may be at an intellectual level, but at no. that heart level, which is where a lot of people seem to want to be heard, understood, and where they operate. No, Chris, think? I really agree with that. And I think – to think about why we might do that. Mm -hmm. See, I might head into a conversation with my wife or a child of mine and think, now I know you feel passionately about this issue and I know it's a huge deal to you emotionally, mm -hmm. but it shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. This is just, this should right. not be a big deal. So yeah. I'm not going to give credence to your emotions yeah. because I think your emotions are overblown yeah. Which doesn't help at all when you get into this conflict or conversation. No, because if we get, I think you, we run into the risk anytime we're in conflict with somebody else and we want to have this conversation. And as you mentioned, this need to understand where the other person is coming from that as we maybe don't understand their the depth of their emotion or we deny it or yeah, we or, yep. or or we almost dismiss it it comes across as dismissive that is the other person will feel somewhat judged that their oh. emotions are they have these depths of feelings when you are feeling and thinking about why would you feel this way? This can't because I can't relate to that emotion. That's you right. have this deep feeling That's about right. some topic X, and I can't manufacture that. So I really just either have to question what's going on or dismiss it, and which now starts off the conversation in not a good point to begin. No, with. I think I think you're right. You know, my um, in grad school, Chris, my dissertation was I took two different couples, and I had who were having a disagreement about something, right? And I had them write out. Out what they actually believed. And then once they wrote it out, they switched it with each other. And then they actually did it in first person. Mm -hmm. So now I'm representing your viewpoint, but I'm doing it in first person reading your narrative. Mm -hmm. I asked the other spouse to coach mm -hmm. the spouse who was reading the other person's narrative on the emotional side of it. So this one woman, Chris, it was great. She said, okay, what you just did was really good. But the emotion, I want you to triple it. <laughs> yeah. And the guy just looked at her like, triple it. She goes, no, I'm serious. Triple it. And that's what we miss sometimes. So I don't think Aristotle had any of this in mind, Chris. He simply, I think he was talking about the factual side of it. Can you factually present the other person? But we're saying from a psychological standpoint, you may have just derailed the whole conversation because you're minimizing their emotions and not acknowledging it. Yeah. And, and so, Tim, this we don't have time to get into that any much further, but because I want to hear some of these other ideas and points that you're getting at. But but I will say, there are many times we talk with couples about this, and I know you and I have visited about this, that one or the other person simply can't go there because they don't really have a good grasp of their own emotional kind of life oh, and their own yeah. heart, what's going on. Yep. And so they say, I'm trying to figure out what you're feeling, but 
I don't really kind of connect my head with my heart as easily mm. as you do. Yeah. And now they're kind of starting off in this deficit where they're missing some of the capacity that the other person might have in feeling or recognizing or even identifying their deep emotions. So it reminds me of those studies, Tim, where we've taken people who are in conflict and um, they have simply begun to I- given a list of emotions that they can use to identify uh, different levels or different kinds of emotions that just simply describe them. And couples or people who are in the middle of an argument are stopped right in the middle of it and said, hold on just for a second. I want you to look at this list and identify the emotion you're feeling. Oh, that's good. And what ends up happening is they see this list that for the first time – for some of them, puts into words and really shows in a you know black and white way, oh, you know, when we're arguing about money, I guess I'm really dealing with some security issues or I'm feeling out of control or I'm feeling judged. Yeah. And as even as they say those words that they're reading in front of them for the first time, it begins to make sense. And now they're connecting some of what they are thinking with some of what they are feeling. And some people are just better at this than no, others. You're right. You're right. And so we, we talked a little bit about that, but... So, so I think Aristotle's talking about a person's IQ. Yeah. Right. He's saying, "Can you factually give me the other argument?" You're talking about, if I understand this correctly, is Daniel Goldman mm-hmm. EQ. Yes. Yeah, explain I, what an EQ is, real yeah, quick. Well, emotional intelligence. Uh, it, he's written both a book on emotional intelligence and one on social intelligence. Which really, this it, it probably comes down to not just me and understanding my own particular emotions and how good I am at them, just yeah. like I am yep. at clearing and, and or thinking through my thoughts in a logical, articulate way yeah. and kind of being able to categorize things, but then connecting that with the emotional. But I think the bigger challenge might even be the social intelligence, that notion. And it's a great book that he wrote is, can I read not just mine, but can I read yours? Can I read what's happening with you? Can I, am I good at watching and identifying ways in which I can connect or disconnect from other people Mm -hmm. and do this in a place that's in in a in a relationship, kind of like we're sitting here talking to each other, if something happens, we could read each other nonverbally and go, "Wait a minute, stop! What what's going on here?" Or I disagree with that because I can see your face right. that you're expressing emotions, and that's kind of this idea of social intelligence. And as a massive, quick little tangent, the problem with um, social media. It's you really yep. hard to read the emotion yep. of it. You lose the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the channel. There's so many channels out there, nonverbal channels. We pick, look at your eye contact, the length of time that you have eye contact, where you look when you're not looking at me. That's just eyes. That's right. Then you have facial expressions, emotions. Yeah. You have your body language. And we're missing all of those nonverbal channels when we're involved in social media, which is the recipe for misunderstandings That's right. That's and right. misinterpretations That's right. of people's emotions. Okay, so we're we're talking about trying to persuade a spouse, okay. trying to persuade a roommate, a family member. Aristotle said, hey, walking into that room, what's your reputation with this person? Mm-hmm. And he broke it down into three areas. First, we've been talking about um, intelligence, mm-hmm. but not just knowing the facts, but also intelligence is I also know the emotions you've mm-hmm. attached to your particular perspective. His second one is really convicting. It's what he calls virtue. It's, it's this. Are you living out... A life of integrity. Right. So again, I confront my spouse, let's say for lateness, but I'm late all the time. I, I confront my kids for angry. Guys, don't talk to each other like that. You know, blow up at each other. But I get mad pretty easy and blow up. 
Right. So he would say, man, you, you have to live out this virtuous life. So if you're talking to another person, you need to understand what's my credibility on this particular topic, mm. right? If I've not done a good job of managing a credit card, it's going to be pretty hard for me now to sit down with you and confront you and what I think is your misuse of a credit card. So I, 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 this is a, man, this is a tough one because here's the tough thing about virtue, Chris. You can't fix it in a heartbeat. You can't say, oh, okay, yeah, I know I've had a really bad past in the marriage when it comes to this issue or that issue, but okay, but now I promise mm-hmm. I'm going to do a really good job starting mm-hmm. on three. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, but you, you don't have any of that virtue yet. Mm-hmm. You just promised to do it. That's what's hard about marriage sometimes is, man, people see your good and your bad and your credibility and your lack of credibility. Uh, Tim, would you is another way of identifying what Aristotle would would call this area of virtue? I, I'm assuming, and I think you agree that this is also something we would also refer to as authenticity. Mm-hmm. That a connection between what there's an there's a there's no dissonance, or there's a or there's a authentic relationship between what I am saying yeah. and what I am doing, and yeah. Yeah. that that a trustworthy person that we want to have speak into our lives or say something is somebody that I must call, they, they live what they say. Yeah. They do and act in appropriate ways. And the Bible talks a lot about oh, this yeah. idea, you know, yeah. uh, let your love and deeds, be, let your words yeah. be also consonant yeah. or in agreement with, with, with your actions, right? Yeah. Um, so I guess is is that what you would say is yeah. this idea of authenticness about what I am doing and what I'm saying? Yeah, and there's a communication theorist who came up with this interesting metaphor. Um, his name is Irving Goffman, and he wrote a book called The Presentation of Self in Everyday Life. But this is what he says, man, we're just like a theater. There's the front stage and there's the backstage. Mm. The front stage is when we're talking a good game in front of other people, right? Oh, the, the, the family should be a priority, right? Your marriage is the most important thing. And Chris, you and I have occupational hazards because we speak across the country on mm. marriage. Mm. And I know with Elisa and my wife, Noreen, man, they're often either standing right next to us, mm. speaking with us, or... They're in the audience listening to every word we say about, you know, husbands, you should love your wives as Christ loved the church, right? And they're sitting there thinking, but, you know, I live with this guy, mm-hmm. right? He's talking a good game up there, mm-hmm. but his credibility is really low. And and I love Noreen that when we're at a marriage conference, people walk up and they say, oh, it'd be, it'd be so great to be married to Tim. You must laugh all the time. And Noreen, because she's a godly woman, just lies in the power of the Holy Spirit. And she goes, oh, you know, we loved him. But, you know, but, but, I, but I don't want to misread this, Chris. Right. I yeah. don't want to say, so in other words, I can't ever say anything if I don't live a perfect life. Mm-hmm. All of us are, are going to have deficiencies. Mm-hmm. All of us are going to talk a better game than what we're able to pull off. Mm-hmm. So we're not talking, to, I don't think Aristotle's talking about that. He's mm-hmm. talking about blatant gaps. That man, the person I'm at, the person I am when I'm at church, Mm -hmm. right in front of people, Mm -hmm. is a really different person than when I'm at home alone with the kids and the wife, Mm -hmm. where I'm I'm a grump and judgmental and Mm -hmm. short-fused. I think Aristotle's saying that gap between the front stage and the backstage needs to be addressed, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that's hard. That, that's a heart issue. It, it's a heart issue. And, and of course, we have to set one quick, you know, understanding is that all of us 
um, experience to some degree or another, a safety, a letting down, a comfortableness when we're away yeah, from the good. public, that's when good. we're away from, you know, in the church crowd or at work crowd or in public. And then and then life would be much more difficult if we weren't able to do that. Yeah. It's it's a great yeah. safe place to be more of me. I'm, I'm much more, you know, relaxed and, and maybe even lazy at home and just get to sit there and not have to put on a front. And that's a good thing. And so we are, there, there isn't going to be a difference between that. But yeah. what we are talking about is during a time of persuasion, a time of conflict, that other person is evaluating us on whether or not as, on the course of our lifetime, the course of this situation in this content, That's right. are, are, is this person really being true to themselves and authentic in the way yeah. in which they are both telling me I need to do or change and what the way they're yeah, acting. Practice what you preach. Okay, yeah. And I think, Chris, it's okay to... Uh, all right, just because I'm not necessarily great at finances, just because I'm not necessarily great at cleanliness, let's say, with your roommate, doesn't mean you can never bring up that topic, mm-hmm. right? But I would give a little bit of a preamble. I would say, okay, listen, I am not the cleanest person in the world. I recognize that and I own that. But I would like to talk about the state of our apartment as roommates mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's starting up, right? So I, I do think it's good to have a little bit of self-awareness to say, I, I know I'm not the greatest when it comes to this, but I still have, a, I'd still like to talk about this. Hey, one other quick tangent. The way this could be misread, what you and I are saying is, um, okay, I know I'm not doing a, I know I'm doing a bad job in my backstage, so I'm going to hide it from my spouse because I don't want to ruin my credibility. This is where we get, I think, a porn addiction mm-hmm. or you're not doing well financially, but now you want to hide it because, man, if I, if I let my spouse see all of my weaknesses, then I, my credibility's shot. Mm-hmm. Man, that's going in a wrong direction, what you and I are talking about. Right. Yeah, I think that's right. I think there's certain times in which the behavior that you're maybe um, dealing with that you know is going to have a negative impact. There are some times in which it's just important to to bring that up yeah. at, at, yep. at the front, yep. be honest about it, and seek you know professional help when indeed there are things. Absolutely. For example, I think it just again not to go off on a tangent, but the whole idea of pornography when. Uh, a man or a woman are struggling in that area that it, it can bring so much shame that you want to hide from hide this. It, yeah. And so when you do that, you run into certain problems That's that right. need to be brought up to the front. So what's Okay. The so third? Aristotle said, if you're going to try to persuade a person, it's your credibility. That's really a huge factor. So first, do you know what you're talking about? Second, do you live what you preach? Now, the third one is interesting. And I think this is the one that's missing so much today, Chris. Because, for example, I can know both sides of the argument. I can think I'm a virtuous person that I'm living out everything I talk about publicly. But then Aristotle says, but you still fail if you don't have the third one. And the mm-hmm. third one is goodwill, mm-hmm. right? I, I can know both sides of the argument. I can be a virtuous, honest person, and I can come across really harsh to other people, mm-hmm. right? Book of Proverbs says, life and death is in the power of a tongue. Mm-hmm. And I like what Paul says in Galatians. He says, okay, when a brother is caught in a trespass, Paul says, this is Galatians 6.1, So the guy's been caught. He's in a trespass. Paul says this, those of you who are spiritual, right? I think that's the virtue part of Aristotle. I still want you to restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. The gentleness is the part that we're missing today, I think, culturally. So you can be 100% right. You can live out what you believe. But the way 
you're approaching your spouse or roommate is so harsh mm-hmm. in tone, mm-hmm. nonverbals, or the way you're characterizing his or her position is just the worst possible mm-hmm. version of what he or she believes. Today, we need a good dose of goodwill towards people when we try to talk about which is why the book is called Winsome Persuasion. Mm-hmm. You know, it is, it's, it's so interesting, Tim, that in uh, recent studies uh, on couples that seem to thrive, they are marked by a couple of characteristics. So there's marital quality scales, and they look at these couples that are doing well. But if you had to really just summarize one or two words about what makes for couples that are really thriving and doing well, one of the key words comes in is kindness and generosity along with you – know, so anyway, if you can narrow it down to they treat each other with affection – kindness and generosity, yeah. then these couples seem to show all the qualities of yeah. a marriage that's yeah. that's thriving and, and heading towards this place that makes them and others around them more happy and more able yeah. to enjoy it. So it's just funny that if, if really this idea of kindness, this idea of generosity yeah. is so critical, it underlies, you can see why Aristotle called this one of the key features of yes. this process, yes. because it has such importance in all of our relationships. Um, Book of Proverbs says, a gentle word yeah. turns away wrath. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? So this gentleness is not you being a mm-hmm. wimp. Mm-hmm. I think men struggle with this a little bit. Mm-hmm. We admire people who speak with conviction and passion and stuff like that. But, mm-hmm. but when it's your spouse, roommate, neighbor, man, I, I, to start with gentleness and kindness and goodwill, mm-hmm. as Aristotle used it, is believing the best about you, mm-hmm. not the worst, but believe me. So Dennis Rainey has this great phrase. He's the founder of Family Life Marriage Conferences. He often says this, catch your spouse doing what's right. Because mm. we often do, right? We go around catching our spouses doing what's not right. You didn't do this. You didn't do that, right? So some, some of the listeners might be thinking, okay, I, all right, the, the credibility stuff was helpful, mm. but how do I actually organize a conversation, mm-hmm. right? Is it, it, it can't just be my reputation. I actually want to start this thing mm-hmm. in a way that's kind mm-hmm. and give the conversation a chance to grow and not mm-hmm. devolve into an argument. So what would be some practical tips of how to actually construct a, a, a disagreement mm-hmm. that's going to be productive, civil, kind, and not devolve into us going to bed with our backs facing each other at night? Mm-hmm. Sound good? Want to do that? Yeah, I think it'd be great. I think we could even have a whole new podcast. Why don't we do that? The idea of uh, having some practical steps and ways that we can begin to approach difficult conversations with mm-hmm. other people that we may be in conflict with, maybe the roommates, or just in areas that we want to express some of our feelings and emotions and we want to be heard. That's right. And then ways in which we can do this. Uh, Tim, I'd love to hear some of the practical things that you have in mind and uh, let's do it. That sounds great. And if you're interested, win some persuasion. Feel free to buy a thousand for the next holiday. That'd be <laughs> The Mulehoff boys would say thank you. It's a great book, Wins of Persuasion, uh, by Dr. Tim Mulehoff and Dr. Rick Langer, and it's available now at all fine bookstores. Dining? Uh, yeah. No, Amazon has it, University Press. Yeah. Awesome. It's a great book. Uh, get it. So, hey, let's continue this conversation. Thanks for joining us today on The Art of Relationships. And again, um, we'll talk to you next time.